Well, it's nice to see so many eager, smiling, bright faces out there this morning. Are you eager and excited to hear God's word read and proclaimed? Yes. All right. I remember preaching in a black church one time in um, uh, North, North Carolina. And, uh, of course, they talk back all the time to you when you're preaching, which is a lot of fun. Except uh, if you're a white preacher, you're not used to responses to rhetorical que- things you say, you know, questions. And there was a little lady. She had braces on her legs, and she sat down, uh, down the front there. And she would say to me, uh, you'd be preaching, and she'd say, help yourself, brother. Help yourself. <laughs> help yourself. Thank you. All right. I'm not really sure what that meant, but it didn't matter. It was good. That was good. I got to preach an hour and 15 minutes. That's how long I was told to preach. So, (laughs) all right. Help yourself. Right. Yes, I think I will. (laughs) Well, let me get myself sorted out here. I'm getting excited now. (laughs) At any rate. Um, Well, we're going to read the scriptures now, and I'm going to ask Gracie to come. Gracie's here somewhere. Here she comes. Can you put the reading up? I'm not sure whether it starts at verse 1 or verse, what does it? It starts at verse 4, Gracie. I said verse 1, but it starts at verse 4. Come on up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Verse 4 to... Eight. So chapter one and then I'll just... Yeah, okay. just out of verse four. There it is on the screen, John. Oh, okay. Um, so the subtitle is Greetings and Praise to God. I, John, am writing this letter. I am sending it to the seven churches in Asia Minor. May grace and peace come to you from God. He is the one who is and who was and who will come. May grace and peace come to you from the seven spirits. These spirits are in front of God's throne. May grace and peace come to you from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness so that so what he, has done, what he has shown can be trusted. He was the first to rise from the dead. He rules over the kings of the earth. Glory and power belong to Jesus Christ who loves us. He has set us free from our sins, pouring out his blood for us. He has made members of his family. He has made us members of his royal family. He has made us priests who serve his God and Father. Glory and power belong to Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him will see him. All the nations of the earth will mourn because of him. And I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the Lord God who is and who was and who will come. I am the Mighty One, the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Gracie. Well, when pastor asked me to preach uh, because he was gone all week, um, he said, uh, you know, I don't want you to f- follow on the series and re- on Revelation. You can do a one-off sermon. Uh, and so um, I prayed about that, and lo and behold, I ended up in Revelation. Uh, and it's in chapter 1, obviously. But I did listen or watch the uh, at our media um, menu at our website. I, I listened or watched the sermons and listened again to the two sermons Pastor had preached on Revelation chapter 1. And he didn't explore the text I'm going to focus on today. 
And so I felt quite comfortable in, in doing that. And I just want to commend to you um, our website and the media menu, where the, now the full services are there for you to watch. And before it was just the sermon, but now you get the praise as well, so you can uh, be blessed by that. And it's interesting, I, I was here for the sermons on Revelation chapter 1, uh, but when I watched them on the, uh, at the website, I picked up a lot of things I'd missed first time round. And uh, there are distractions, you know, when you're in a service of worship. And uh, it was interesting to, to watch it and to pick up all sorts of insights that I'd missed the first time around. So I commend that to you. Okay, so we turn to Revelation chapter 1. And I want to focus on verse second part of verse 5. And verse 6. And uh, let me introduce it by talking about something with this, which doesn't seem to have any relevance to it, but uh, it does lead into it. Of course, it's interesting that significant events remain with us, and we not only remember them, but we remember where we were when we heard about it. Now, I don't want to put this first one here on the same level as the second and third, but at any rate, it is two weeks ago today, there was a helicopter crash in Calabas, Calabas California, not far from where we have our uh, property, uh, and it was, um, we learned that Kobe Bryant uh, died. Uh, he was in the crash along with his daughter and others as well. Where was I when I heard that? Well, it was between the first and second services. David Miles came down the aisle with his phone like this, and he had a look on his face which made me think it might be important. And he said to those of us gathered there, Kobe Bryant has died. So it was a fairly startling news. Great smile, spectacular basketball player, uh, and we probably will remember it uh, the day he died. The next one, though, is of greater significance. Who knows, who remembers, most of you here, who remember what happened on September the 11th in 2001? Do you remember where you were? Yeah, most of you remember where you were when the Twin Towers were taken down by uh, commercial airliners that had been hijacked by terrorists, and it was a terrible, terrible day in our great republic. Yes, I remember where we were, Billy Joe and myself. We were in the city of London. And in, uh, most of you know that Billy Joe worked for an airline for 25 years. And we, uh, we, were in, we were shopping. We were on Oxford Street, which is the retail center of the city of London. And we were at Clark's shoe, stores and, shoe Store, and we would, were in the bargain basement. That's where we were. And we were looking around, and there were some flight attendants that came down. Um, they flew with United, and they, we got talking with them, and they found out that Billy Joe worked for Delta, and they, of course, shared that they were from United, and they, we were visiting, having a really good time. Then another flight attendant came down the stairs, and she was ashen white, and she told them, told them what, what had gone on in New York City. And, of course, they'd just flown out of Boston that morning. And, of course, one of their planes was 
in the incident and had left Boston that morning as well. So they just left like that. And we, we went out and got on the streets and um, they were packed with people. They were evacuating all the buildings in the center of London because they were afraid that another incident like that was going to happen. So at any rate, we, you remember things like that. Now who recalls, that's a rhetorical question, you don't need to answer it. <laughs> who recalls what happened on November the 22nd, 1963? Do you remember what happened on that date? It was the assassination of President John F. Kennedy in Dallas, Texas. Now, I remember where I was. It was I was in the city of Auckland in New Zealand. I was attending Bible college there, and with the students, other students, we were having a barbecue when somebody had came down from the house where we were with the... Uh, just seen on the, heard on the radio. I don't think New Zealand even had television then. We heard on the radio, they had heard on the radio that President Kennedy had been assassinated. We were all shocked. Because I don't know whether Americans realize it, but the rest of the world is very influenced and very interested in what's going on in the United States. And we thought this was a terrible tragedy. This fine president, young man, who was all going to do so many wonderful things. Now, I read uh, Walter Cronkite's bio recently. And again, you'd have to be of a certain age to, rem to remember Walter Cronkite, but wasn't he, a, he was a news anchor for many years. The tro most trusted man in America was the tagline with him. And he talked about all sorts of things in his book, but he gave a brief review of President Kennedy. Cut short as it was, the Kennedy administration left little that was noteworthy for the history books. But his charm, his style, personal and political, and his rhetoric captured the hearts and the imagination of a generation of Americans to a degree unmatched by any other, um, any other occupant of the White House in this century. Of course, he was, he was writing it last century. And uh, what caught me about that was his rhetoric. Do you remember the rhetoric of President Kennedy? Uh, many sayings of his are still quoted, but probably the best-known one began with the word ask. Ask not what my country can do for me, but what can I do for my country? And that is a memorable and magnificent word, isn't it? Ask not what I can do, what, what my country can do for me, but what will my country, um, what I can do for my country. Oh, now, get it all tangled up, but never mind. <laughs> you know what it is. Okay. All right, that's good. That's why I paused. I knew that was coming. Help yourself. <laughs> Okay, ask not what my country can do for me, but what can I do for my country? Now, uh, I actually want to flip that around today, and I want, I want to morph that into um, the Christian faith and the gospel and Jesus Christ. And, you know, we do teach and preach a lot about what we can do for Jesus Christ from the pulpit, 
But sometimes we need to be reminded as to what God and Jesus Christ has done for us. Sometimes we need to flip that around. We need to, sometimes we're discouraged. Sometimes we're pressed down. Uh, Sometimes we're in trouble. Sometimes life is too much for us. And we need to be reminded of what God and Jesus Christ has done for us. So here we are in this passage, and uh, the text is the uh, second part of verse 5 and um, then verse 6. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. All right, it is introduced, if you go back to verse uh, 5, it talks about Jesus Christ and it gives three aspects of his person, the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, It says there that he is the faithful witness, he is the truth teller, the firstborn from the dead, raised from the dead by the Father, and he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He will rule over all things. He is in command, and it may not be evident yet, but one day it will be. So three things about his uh, person. And then we come to the text for this morning, which gives us three things about his work. To him who loves us, number one, and has freed us from our sins, number two, freed us from our sins by his blood, number two, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. Three aspects to his person, uh, three aspects to his work. So inevitably, I'm going to have three points of my sermon today. (laughs) All right. Well, we need to be reminded of what God and Jesus Christ has done for us. We need to be encouraged. I read somewhere that there are three things the three things that we most like to hear. I don't think this is a scientific survey, but this is what came from it. Firstly, we like to hear, I love you. The second thing is, we like to hear, I forgive you. The third thing is, dinner's ready. (laughs) Dinner's ready. Kids like to hear, get in the car. And you head off for the golden arches. And that's how God intended families to eat. In a a minivan. That's, that's, That's how God intended it. I'm really helping myself this morning. Okay. All right. We must move along. Yeah. So what has our God done for us? What has our God done for us? Well, the first thing is God in Christ loves us. That's the very first thing. To him who loves us. And that's in the present tense. It's an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time thing. God loves us yesterday, today, and forever. When I think of this, I think of uh, Tina Turner. It's a strange connection, I know, but uh, 
most of you know who Tina, well, young, older, older folk know who Tina Turner is. I don't expect the youth to, but they've all exited, so uh, that's okay. They don't know who Tina Turner is. She was a singer uh, with, a, with a raspy voice, and she used to belt out songs, and her biggest song, biggest hit was, What's Love Got to Do With It? You can remember that? What's Love Got to Do With It? Well, here we have it. Love has got everything to do it. I'm sorry, Tina Turner, your lyrics are way off target there. God in Christ loves us. And a couple of verses that reinforce that, uh, of course, everybody's text, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God loves us. That's a wonderful thing. Now, I know there is the stern side in the heart of God. And thankfully, I get to preach the joyful side today. Pastor Pete's having to deal with all the rough and tough stuff, you know, the judgment and what have you. But at any rate, there is a stern side, but we're looking at this, the very essence of the gospel, the very essence of the gospel is that God loves us. Now, love wants the best for us. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be loved? A wonderful thing to be loved. Loved by a parent, loving a child, loved by a spouse, loved by a sweetheart, loved by a friend. And if all those are absent, loved by a pet. Are you loved by any pets you have? We have two cats, Max and Maggie. Um, The little girl is Maggie, of course. And Maggie is uh, prissy, prissy if you know what I mean. Maggie seems too common a name for her. Lady Margaret would suit her better. But what does she like to do if you're in bed, if I'm in bed? She likes to snuggle up and cuddle, and and she looks up with those limpid eyes, and love radiates. Isn't love a wonderful thing? Yes, we all like to be loved. In a contrast to that, the world is filled with hatred, greed, loneliness, and anger. There are lots of angry people out there. Did you know that? In society, a lot of angry people. There's a lot of anger. Let me tell you a story when I was impacted by anger. Now, as many of you know, we live in Fairwood, so the main way to get here is to head down Petrovitsky. And over the years that I've been coming here, of course, there's much more traffic, and drivers are much more aggressive. There's much more anger out there. And I, I'm not a slowpoke driver. I like to have the pedal to the metal from time to time. <laughs> but at any rate, this one particular day, I was coming to church, and I've only got a little Jetta. And this truck got behind me, and all I could see in the rear vision mirror was the grill, right, right there. And it upset me. And I speeded up, and he speeded up, and just about all the way here to the right-hand turn onto Petrovsky. Now, if you know about anything about the right-hand turn from Petrovsky onto Sweeney here, it's a pretty sharp turn. 
so you have to slow down. So he was behind me, and I slowed right down. <laughs> right down, till I almost stopped, and then I turned. And he stood on that horn, and I swear that horn, he was, I could hear it as he got to the traffic light out there. <laughs> he was very angry. Over a silly thing, really. I want to tell you, it felt so good. <laughs> I enjoyed it, yeah. I had to repent of it as I drove into the church, yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. A lot of anger out there, a lot of loneliness, hatred. But we're countercultural. God has loved us, and we go and spread love. That's what we need to be doing. In Jesus Christ, God assures us of his love. And it's a love that never fails, never forgets, never forsakes. Max Lucado, in his own unique way, says, God loves you personally, powerfully, passionately. Others have promised and failed, but God has promised and succeeded. He loves you with an unfailing love. And his love, if you let it, can fill you and leave you with a love worth giving. Isn't that wonderful? Now, you know, the Olympic Games in Tokyo are just about upon us, well, a month or two off, June, I think it is. And gymnastics is one of the favorite uh, sports there, particularly women's gymnastics. And there is, I guess they're ranked uh, when they're scored by the judges on 1 to 10, 10 being perfect, the perfect 10. And I don't think there are many. I think there's been one or two that have got a perfect 10 in the Olympics in the ranking. But Lloyd John Ogilvie says that God gets a perfect 10 in his love for us. And we're going to put it on the screen now. God's love is unlimited in its source, unmotivated by its recipient, unbounded in its expression, unqualified in its acceptance, unreserved in its affirmation, unstinting in its forgiveness, unconditional in its initiative efforts for reconciliation, unfailing in empathy, untiring in its involvement, and number 10, unrelenting in its persistence. What has God done in Jesus Christ for us? God in Christ loves us. Now, I want you to take that with you today. Take that with you, that truth, that God loves us. And, of course, it ends up with an ex- a doxology. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Okay, what has our God done for us? Our God in Christ, secondly, has loosed us. Loosed us. And he has freed us from our sins by his blood. The second part of verse 5. Now verses which endorse this are 1 Peter 2.24, the first part of it. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He bore our sins, that we might die to sins, be loosed, from them and live for righteousness. And the second one, 1 John 1, 9. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If you take ownership of, of the sins in your life, uh, God will forgive you, but there's a serendipity. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. He'll move us in the pathway of righteousness. That's the serendipity there. God in Christ has loosed us. Now, this is in the past tense, and it's once and for all. It's not a repeated thing, like God's love for us is forever. But God's work in Christ was once and for all, and its impact is going on through the centuries. He's speaking there of the death of Christ. To be freed is to be loosed from our sins, and this is referring to the cross, Christ's death. His forgiving, freeing, loosing act was done once and for all. John Stott's word on this. Jesus taught that human beings are in captivity, that is to sin, guilt, and judgment, and that we cannot save ourselves. So he would give himself as a ransom for the many. The cross would be the means of our liberation. Only because he died in our place can we be set free. So we're talking about the crucifixion here, the cross of Christ. Now, not everyone embraces the redeeming love of Christ. Um, we preach, according to 1 Corinthians 23, we preach Christ crucified, but that is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. And there are people out there who, who mock the core of our faith, the death of Christ on the cross for our sin. Some of you may know Billy Joel, the piano man, you know, the fam famous singer-songwriter and musician. He, had, he was brought up in, with Catholicism, and here's what he said about it just recently. I viewed the whole business as a lot of very enthralling hocus-pocus. There's a guy hanging upon the wall in the church nailed to a cross, blood and dripping everywhere, and everyone's blaming themselves for that man's torment. I said to myself, forget it. I had no hand in that evil. I have no original sin. There's no blood of any sacred martyr on my hands. I pass on all of this. See, to the foolishness to the Gentiles. Stephen Soderbergh, says a, a movie director, says a similar thing foolishness to the Gentiles. But to Christians, it's the exact opposite. We honor the cross. We must do business with it if we are to become Christians. We must do business with the cross if we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, take up, symbolically speaking, take up your cross daily. Be willing to step aside uh, from your self-centered pursuits to serve Jesus Christ and to serve others. Now, I have with me here a, a book written, uh, there's a book of sermons by, interestingly enough, a black preacher named Gardner Taylor. Now, Gardner Taylor was um, referred to as, by Time magazine, the, the prince of, of black preachers. He was, for many years, for 50 years or something, he's now deceased, the pastor of a, um, a church in uh, Brooklyn, New York, huge church, 20,000 people. 
And a, a Christianity Today also honored him, a great preacher. And I knew of him, and I have one or two of his books. And uh, at any rate, a number of years ago, in the late 90s, I think it was, I was the interim pastor of First Baptist Church in Tacoma. And um, uh, there was a lady in that church, a black lady, and somebody told me that she was the cousin of Gardner Taylor. That was a surprise, but a delight. And so I was talking to her. And um, she said, well, Gardner and his wife are going to be out here in, in a month's time. Would you like to meet him? Would I like to meet him? Of course I would like to meet him. Yes, it was wonderful. So at any rate, we met and, and talked, and what an what a honor it was to meet with this godly man. And so I had this book, and he autographed it for me. So I didn't have to go to a book sale, book table or something to have the author book right. Uh, put his name in it, he just did it there for us. So Billy Joe was there, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. Any rate, why am I saying all this? That was just an aside, but uh, <laughs> in this book here, he, he talks about the cross of Christ. Now, I want to say to you all here, I've preached, you know, many sermons over the years, and a number of sermons on the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you preach on the crucifixion, when you preach on the cross... There's a kind of a holy awe comes over the people. I sense it. I sense it even now. Fidgeting stops. Reading the bulletin stops. Quietness. Because this is a holy moment. You feel you're on holy ground. God was in Christ, loosing us from our sins. And Gardner Taylor, in one of his sermons, describes it in this way. We see the sun stop shining while his friends stood round crying. We are moved when we hear the Savior groaning and his friends sadly moaning. Hear the hammer ringing, watch death stinging. There is great power in his death, yes. We are strangely moved when we stand at Calvary, yes. Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. It was a saving, substituting, suffering death. Yes, before the cross is a holy place, an awe-inspiring place, and we all need to stand before it for our salvation and acknowledge our sins, accept the righteousness of Jesus Christ clothing us, our sins placed on him. We need to Follow the cross, embrace the cross in our discipleship as we follow Jesus Christ day by day. Yes, the cross of Christ, that wonderful cross. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now what has God got to say to us in Jesus Christ God in Christ has lifted us. As we have been blessed by the cross, forgiven for our sins, washed in the blood of the Lamb, as the old hymn says it, then we go on to experience being lifted. He has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. He's lifted us. He's made us to be a kingdom. The old Israel, 
and we'll omit the script, other scriptures here in the interest of time. But the, in the old Israel, they were God's people. He was to rule and reign in them, but in the end it didn't work out. But in the Christian church and in the Christian faith, in the body of Christ, we are a kingdom, not of an area of land, but we are to be a kingdom in which God reigns in our life and in our midst, and his purposes are accomplished. And we're priests. What does a priest do? A priest intercedes on our behalf. We don't need that. We're priests now. Priests brought the sacrifices and the offerings. But what do we bring now? And I can't wait to sing our last song. We're going to bring the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise. That's what we bring. That's what we bring. We're given a new status, sons and daughters of God. We've given a new purpose and a new hope. God and Jesus Christ has lifted us. Thanks be to God. Now all this ends up with a great doxology. To him who loves us, be glory and power and majesty forever and ever. Amen. Three reasons for praising God. Three reasons for praising God. Loved, loosed, and lifted. I came across this quote. I'm going through my files, you know, purging some of them, decluttering, as they say these days. At any rate, I came across this quote. It's a little syrupy, I do admit, but like Max Lucado's quotes. You might, it might be one of his, I don't know. I want you to go out here feeling lifted, forgiven if need be, loved if you need that too. This is, what, this is what it says. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> if he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. I guess we have to say these days, if you have a cell phone, your photo would be on that. This is a little bit dated. He sends flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Face it, he's crazy about you. All right. Oh, gracious Lord. Gracious Lord. Yes, we ask so often, what can I do for you? But Lord, we've considered what you have done for us. You have done so much, Lord. We need your love in an angry and hurting world. We need to share that love. We need the bondages of sin, the addictions that so easily capture us and drag us down. And you can loose us from those, Lord. But you've lifted us. You've given us a purpose and a hope. We're your children. Lord, even that, in that slightly frivolous word, it lifts our hearts to think you might be crazy about us. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>